This is my last sip of coffee. Excuse me. Okay. Sister Barkas was supposed to teach today, but Sister Barkas is gone. So I got a call yesterday afternoon. Brother Titus. So I'm teaching a lesson today that was sort of one of these things that's been rolling around in the back of my mind. But you know, we've been, we've been working carefully to work through the teachings of Jesus. And so some of these other thoughts and things I've been sort of putting on the back burner. And uh, I saw this as an opportunity to pull out something that has kind of been working on my mind. You know, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're having a fight. We have an adversary. Our adversary is the devil. This is not made up. It's not the heebie-jeebie kind of stuff. Right? But we have an everyday adversary to our soul and to our work, to the things that we want to do. And I would like to offer to you a tangible example of the battle that we're fighting right now. I want you to look around the room. We are missing some things in this room. You may recall that we used to have microphones. Why would we need a microphone? Well, we had an amplifier, we had a mixer, we had speakers, we had the ability to play music, and now it's gone. Somebody took it. We used to be able to hook up to a laptop and show slides that were carefully and lovingly prepared. And now we have cords dangling from the ceiling. Someone took it. This class raised over $5,000 to buy stuff so that we could be more effective in our ministry. And you know what? We were. We were more effective in our ministry. We were starting to touch people who'd never been touched before. We were starting to reach people in a way that we hadn't been able to reach them before. And I submit to you that we were making someone angry. Our adversary was getting honked off at us. And so he motivated someone to take our stuff. And so the question now is, I'll be fine, Brad. You can just sit there. So the question now is, what are we going to do about it? It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> this happens all the time at my house. It's a rhetorical question, son. Just enjoy the Sunday school lesson. All right, so what the question that I want you to think about today is, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Now, this is just one example of the battle that we're having. We had a skirmish here, and facially, we lost. Because somebody took our stuff. Now, we're working to get some new stuff back. Because I refuse to lose this battle. I simply refuse to lose. So we're going to see what the insurance company is going to do. And then I'll talk to my wife and I'll see what 
I'm going to be able to do. But we're going to put all this stuff back. We're going to put this stuff back. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to bolt it to the wall. So if somebody wants, if the devil wants to do it again, he's going to have to send them with a blowtorch. Because it's going to be bolted to the wall. It's going to be bolted to the ceiling. And are we going to stop what we've been doing? Absolutely not. In fact, we're going to do more. Because now you made me mad. All right? Now we're going to rejoin the battle. And you might have slapped me. I used to play a lot of uh, pickup football games when I was a kid. In Michigan, instead of playing. When I was a kid, when we said we're going to go play football, we didn't go to a video game. We actually went outside and ran and hit each other and knocked each other down, all that kind of stuff. And I, I always believed in playing kind of clean and fair, you know. But every once in a while, somebody would reach up and hit me in the face. He'd give me an elbow right alongside the head, or worse yet, he'd reach up with his fingers and slap me like this, and my glasses would come off. Oh, 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 oh. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You started it. I'm going to finish it. And you know what? That's the attitude that we have to have as we fight the devil. It's like, oh, oh, you want to go there with me? You want to go there with me? You need to have that attitude. You need to have that attitude because Satan wants to fight this battle. He doesn't want us to be successful. It is an insult to him. When we win, and you know what? We're going to win. We are not going to stop. We're going to take it to the devil. So today we're going to talk about our adversary, the devil. Now I ask you, what were we doing wrong that allowed this turn to happen? I submit to you, we weren't doing anything wrong. We didn't sin that caused somebody to take our stuff. This was an all-out assault on us. They came into our house and took our stuff. So what's the deal here? Well, the deal is this is sin happening. Somebody sinned to do that, right? Satan motivated somebody to do it as a full-out attack on us. So what I'm telling you is, is that you're going to be attacked just because you're trying to do something right. You're going to be attacked because you're trying to live right. You're going to be attacked because you try to witness to somebody. You're going to be attacked in all aspects of your life if you're trying to do the right thing. It's just going to happen because we are in a war. This is a battle. It is not for the faint of heart or the weak of heart. you got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to go. The New Testament talks very clearly about this in terms of being a battle. It talks about us being soldiers. It talks about us fighting. It talks about armor. It talks about weapons. It talks about all those things. Now, it was figurative, but it's also got a literal application. You've got to be ready to fight. Satan has three battlegrounds. Your personal life, your home, and the church. In your personal life, Satan wants to destroy your testimony. Satan 
wants to destroy your testimony? Who does God's work? People do. We do God's work. And the best way for Satan to stop us from doing God's work is to damage our testimony. Right? He wants to drag you down. He wants to tempt you. And I want to make a distinction here. Brad talked on Wednesday about trials. Now, trials come from God to make you better. God will try you. He will tempt, not tempt you, he will test you. That comes from God. Temptations do not come from God. Trials are a process through which you get better. Temptation is an opportunity to sin, which is designed to drag you down and to ruin your testimony. That's what a temptation is. It's a fine point, but you need to keep these two points separate. It's very important that you keep this straight. You need to really ask yourself, am I being tried here or am I being tempted here? A trial occurs to see, well, what will he do? What will she do? A temptation is, come on and do this. Come on and taste this. Come on and try that. It'll be all right. Who will know? Who's going to find out? How will anybody know? Right? The distinction, but it's a very important distinction, it makes a difference. If the devil can destroy our testimony, our work becomes less effective. You need to protect your testimony. In the home, Satan's goal is there not be another generation raised in a Christian home. Some of you are married, some of you are getting married, some of you got kids, some of you are thinking about it. Satan doesn't want you to raise Christian kids. He doesn't want kids raised in a home where they're hearing Sunday school songs instead of Britney Spears. Satan doesn't want that. He's fighting that. You need to make up your mind as you're developing your home, how do you want your baby raised? What kind of environment do you want for your child? This is a big deal. You need to think very carefully about it because Satan will attack you. He will use your kids to attack you. And you know what? If there are people that are dragging you down, you need to cut them off. Now that's rough. That's rough, but you need to cut them off. You just have to cut them off. Why? Because I got to protect my home. I got to raise my kids in a Christian home and I will do whatever I have to do. Why? Because we are in a battle. Satan wants your kids. Satan wants to pull your kids down. We can't allow that to happen. That's the second battleground. The third battleground is the church. Satan strives to divide. Satan wants to tear at the fabric of the church. Because if Satan can tear the church apart, 
the church isn't effective anymore. Or it becomes much less effective. And we have to beware. We have to beware. Our goal has to be that we will not allow the little things to divide us. We cannot allow the little things to tear us apart. We need to put on our big boy pants or our big girl skirts, and we need to say, I'm not going to let that little thing bug me, right? You realize that you choose to be offended. Did you realize that? Stuff happens to everybody. Things aren't always going to go the way that you think they should go. But if you say, I am offended, you know what that says to me? That says to me, I have decided to allow that event to offend me. Because nothing is offensive on its own. You choose to let it offend you. And when you let things offend you, it starts to tear you apart. And it starts divisions in the church. We can't have that. Racial divides, they need to be broken down. We can't talk about that anymore. Okay? The sexist divides that I hear some of our guys talking, that's got to stop. That's got to stop. We need to respect each other. We need to respect the abilities of each and every person in this church to do a work. We have got to get off this old crap. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Why? Because it's the work of Satan. Satan is trying to divide. Did I say crap? I'm sorry. <laughs> stuff. We have, to, we have to stop this stuff. I'm sorry. Satan. <laughs> is there any more coffee? I need more coffee. Uh, Satan's plan for our defeat. In our personal lives, Satan has three tools. Doubt, distance, and discouragement. Thank you, son. I won't tell anybody you were nice to me. Okay. God is greater than all of our circumstances. He's just greater than all of our circumstances. That's just the way it is. Doubt. Satan wants to, you to question your faith. Your age group through all of time is notorious for questioning, for seeking. Is this really what I want? Who am I? What am I doing? There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to make your calling and your election sure. There are some things that we can't let go of. Right? And the doctrine we cannot let go of. The oneness we cannot let go of. The separation from the world we cannot let go of. Now, there are some concepts that are just sort of the teachings of man, and you know what? You can think about those things. But you can't reinvestigate the doctrine. You can't rethink the truth. You can think about it. You can try to understand it. But there are other areas that you just have to kind of let that go. You just have to think about it, experiment with it. That's all fine. But the truth you need to hold close to your heart. And don't let Satan bring in questions about doctrine. The Bible is clear on these things. The Bible is clear on these things. So doubt comes into mind. Never doubt your Holy Ghost. Satan, the first thing that happens to people that get the Holy Ghost 
is they start to wonder, did I really get it? Was that just me? Was that just me? Satan's trick. He's working on you right there. Is this real? I know you guys got to go. Sing good. Sing well. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sing well. Do good. Sing well. There we go. Satan wants you to doubt. I went through a phase in my life. I was, Deb and I were young marrieds. Brad and Evan were babies. And I've told this story before, but I went through a period in my life where I thought, for heaven's sake, I'm a scientist. How can I believe all this stuff? Is this really real? I don't, I don't know if this is really real. Now, I'm not given to uh, a lot of uh, hocus-pocus kind of stuff, but I can tell you that I woke up in the middle of the night, sat up straight in bed, and I heard a voice in the middle of my brain. I didn't hear it with my ears. I heard it with my head. And the voice said, everyone will spend eternity somewhere. That settled it for me. I was done. I've never questioned anything ever again. God spoke to me. You can say, oh, no, this must have been a taco or something before you went to bed. No, no, I don't, I don't bother me. I can eat anything when I go to bed and just get up in the morning and feel fine. It's not the food that's talked to me. I believe with all of my heart that God himself spoke to me, formed a thought in my brain, and said to me in a voice that I could hear, and only I could hear, everyone will spend eternity somewhere. That became very real to me. All the other questions, you know what, all those other things I was questioning, it just didn't matter anymore. All the other doubts that I had were all secondary to that last thing, is that everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. Do not let doubt undermine your testimony. Do not let doubt undermine what you're doing for God. Do not let it happen. God wants you in Satan wants to keep you away. God wants you to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. Satan wants to keep you away. Distance will kill you. We need each other. You need the church. You need to get here every chance that you can get. Now, you know what? I'm not stupid. I know. We got jobs we're dealing with. We got personal circumstances we're dealing with, and I understand that. But what I'm telling you is, is you need to do everything that you can. Go to church. Listen to the person of God, whoever's speaking. Listen to them. Think about it. Pray about it. But don't let distance keep you away from the church. Satan will try to discourage you. I'll use the room again. This is discouraging. This really makes me mad. But you know what? I'm not going to let it make me stop doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to let this stop the work or the ministry of the young adult class. Absolutely not. We taught this class for a long time without a microphone. That's all right. We taught this class for a long time without any kind of a projector. That's all right. We'll keep doing it just like we're doing it until we can do something different. But I will not allow this to discourage me. In your life, there are going to be discouragements. Not every job thing's going to work out for you. Not every relationship's going to work out for you. 
Not every situation is going to work out for you. You know what? It rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. Just because you got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you're not living in the real world. And you know what? Stuff happens. Stuff happens. Don't let Satan use the rhythm of life, the day-to-day, the things that happen to everybody. Don't let Satan use that to discourage you because that's exactly what he's trying to do. He wants to say to you, see, see, if God really loved you, if you really had the Holy Ghost, that wouldn't happen to you. If God really loved you, that would have never happened. If God would have loved you, you'd have got that job. God don't love you. You don't got the whole, oh, you got to stop that kind of stuff. You got to close it out. You got to block it from your mind and you got to worship God and thank him for what he has done for you and what you feel in your heart and just let that other stuff go. It's more important that you be saved. Better to be saved poor than to go to hell rich. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. You just have to take care of whatever you have to take care of, but do not let Satan discourage you. In our homes, we need to take care that we not let materialism control us. I have the privilege of spending time with uh, Mackay McFarland. And as most of you probably know, he's kind of special to me. And my inclination, if you came to my house, you would think that I had a baby that lived at my house. Because my wife has turned my house into a little boy wonderland. We have toys everywhere. We have all kinds of stuff, which is kind of cool. But you know what? I've seen Makai really happy just sitting in a box, being drugged across the living room. I've seen Makai take a piece, just an old piece of newspaper and entertain himself for a half hour, <coughs> having a wonderful time. I've seen Makai happy just holding him like this and swinging him, and he's belly laughing. You know how much that costs? Nothing. Makai is just over a year old. And if you start singing, if you're happy and you know it, he gets a big grin on his face and starts going like this. (laughs) So what's my point? My point is it doesn't take money to have a happy life. You don't have to give up your principle. Now, having said that, you need to do everything you can do, right? You need to improve yourself. I am not talking against that at all. Please understand my point. But wherever you find yourself, you need to be happy. You need to accept it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. You got food in your belly? You got clothes on your back? Good enough. Right? Good enough. Good enough. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. What do I need to focus on? I need to focus on what really matters. I need to be happy and content with wherever, whatever station in life that God has defined for me and not focus myself and my whole being on making more money and making more money. Don't obsess. You need balance. You need to keep your priorities straight. It is possible to be so busy that you're not effective in your ministry anymore. You need to watch your entertainment. God will use, I'm sorry, Satan will use entertainment, the things you use in your pleasure time to undermine your ministry and to tear your home apart. Am I saying you can't have fun? Absolutely not. I'm a firm believer in people getting together and having a good time, playing games, enjoying each other's company, having a good time, having a happy life. That's not what I'm talking about. You can have fun but you need to be careful. You need to guard your family and guard your home. What kind of entertainment are we going to do? You need to avoid apathy. I don't know and I don't care. You've got to care. You need to guard your character. The world, what does the world see? What kind of testimony is your life. You need to guard your character. Be on time. Make your bed. Clean up your own mess. Pay your bills on time. Eat the right foods. Read your Bible and pray every day. Always go to church. Finish what you start. Give your best to everything that you do. These are things of character. You have to have good character. Why? Because it's your testimony. And you know what else? If your kids see you living a strong life of character in principle, they'll think that's normal. And they'll do it too. They'll do it too. It's your duty. You got to do the right things. Let your kids see you doing the right things. Let the world see you doing the right things. Just as an example, I'm not holding myself up, but I just want to give you an example. I was running into Kroger the other day, and this poor guy was loading. He had this hand truck stacked up with bags of ice, and he was rolling it into the Kroger, and about three bags just dropped off on him, and there were people coming and going everywhere, and not one person stopped to help that guy out. So I just reached down, I grabbed the bags of ice, I threw them on top of his truck, patted him on the back, and kept on going. And he, all I heard was, thanks, man. That's a little thing. That's a little thing. But it's a point of character. You care about people? Then show you care about them. Do the little things. The little things make all the difference in the world. Satan desperately wants to attack the church. He wants to use deception, disruption, 
diversion, and division. Satan wants to cause little camps, little cliques over here. He wants to build up hard feelings between one family and the other. You just have to decide, I'm not going to let that happen. I refuse to be pulled in to that kind of thing. Jealousy, taking offense, hurt feelings. You know, we touched on this already, and the time doesn't permit to reinvestigate it now. But we need to guard against those things. So in closing, I want to say you need to defend yourself. I think I've established that we're in a battle. We're in a real war. We're in an honest-to-goodness conflict. But you need to recognize temptation as the tool of Satan. You also need to simply walk in the light. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. I'm sorry, I'm going to start at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You need to walk in the light. It's simply a matter, it's a choice that you get to make. You have to decide, how am I going to live? Walk in the light. Stay in the light. Does two things for you. You have fellowship with each other because we're all walking in the light. And you got fellowship with God. And if you keep that fellowship, if you keep walking in the light, that fellowship with each other helps take care of a lot of the problems and the things that Satan's trying to do to the church and to your family. And if you're in that fellowship with God, a lot of the other issues will resolve themselves. You need to spend time in prayer and Bible reading. It's more difficult for Satan to attack you if you are consciously trying to protect your mind. John Stott in Basic Christianity said this, Generations have discovered that the principal way to know God more and more intimately is to wait upon him every day in a time of Bible reading and prayer. It will mean rigorous self-discipline, but granted this, together with a legible Bible and an alarm clock that works, we are well on the road to victory. What was his point? Take some time every day. I'm not saying you need to take an hour. Set aside 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Pick up a Bible. Read a little bit. Pray a little bit. Focus on those things. Because if you're guarding your mind every day, a whole lot more difficult for Satan to get in and mess with you and cause a problem. Learn to watch what's going on around you. Pay particular attention to your weak points. You know where your weak points are. Pay real special attention to those. And when a temptation comes, run. Don't walk, run the other way. 
say, you know what? That's a problem for me. I'm not even going there. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not even going to dwell on it because that's a real problem for me. And with that, have a wonderful day.